0: Episode 75, The Rant, Shanae Joy-Jones, all-encompassing lover of basketball, former baller, passionate coach, athletic director, and -and up-and-coming basketball official. We pulled up to the Gauchos gym in the Bronx to sit down with Shanae. In this pod, we discuss her come-up playing at NYU, her experience coaching kids to their own athletic scholarships, and her newfound passion and give-back to the game officiating. All that and more, my conversation with Shanae, now. The rant has been brought to you by Roar Organic. Everything your body needs, nothing it doesn't. There's a reason they say variety is the spice of life. And with their new organic line comes the following exciting flavors. Georgia peach, blueberry acai, cucumber watermelon, mango clementine, pineapple mint, strawberry coconut. Ah! Roar Organic uses a proprietary electrolyte blend created with organic coconut water, organic cane sugar, and sea salt. It's non-GMO. Vegan-friendly, gluten-free, no artificial colors or flavors, no preservatives, and no artificial sweeteners. Just two grams of sugar and only 10 calories per serving. Visit Roar.Land and use the code REFEREERANT, one word, in the checkout and receive 10% off your next purchase. That's Roar.Land, code REFEREERANT. The Rant has been brought to you by the revolutionary product for referees and all professionals alike, tucks. What the tuck? Traditional shirt stays have been tried and true but never accounted for those professionals that have shorts as uniforms. What do you do when you officiate soccer or lacrosse or even basketball in the summer? Don't forget about baseball umpires too. Enter knee Tucks, which come in style and active versions. Don't get it twisted. You can even wear them at your 9 to 5 too. Listeners of The Rant can visit NeatTucks.com and enter the coupon code REFEREERANT, one word, and receive 20% off your initial order. That's referee rant, one word. Happy tucking. Welcome to another edition of The Rant. I'm your host, Ralph, the ref. I'm with a special, special guest. Women's certified basketball official located in the city. Former D3 player at NYU University. Also an athletic director as well as a basketball AAU coach. Shanae Joy Jones. How are you?
1: I am blessed. I'm awesome to be here, brother. Thanks for coming on down to the shows.
0: Hey, I've never been here. I always see it on Instagram and and on TV. And uh, we discussed off air how sometimes they come to Long Island and the gouchers just run things as well as Riverside. And um, it really kind of reassesses you know, just just what kids can do, especially like third graders, fourth graders. I see there, you know, one time I had a game. There was like 75 jump balls. But, you know, other than that, I appreciate when I see young kids playing the right way. You know, they might not have the, the strength to to really shoot the ball, but the fact that they can dribble, that they understand and can conceptualize three second violation um, and the aggression. You know, that's that's something that's important to me. That's great that you're a part of that. And nonetheless, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. Such a pleasure
0: so I just wanted to go back we met uh, at Pro City about a month ago and before that we hooked up I, I really got intrigued by you know some of the people that you had in, in pictures on Instagram specifically Sylvia Gannaway, who um, I had a touching um, event that happened to me we both got chosen in the same year for uh, New York State Federation so um, I know I did a game with her and I know how much she means to the uh, the basketball game and officiating especially on the women's side so you know welcome to the show what um, what do you think... Well, tell me about how you started uh, playing sports. What did you play growing up? What did you play in high school? What did you play in college?
1: Sure. So interestingly enough, I was quite the tomboy. Um, used to always play outside in the playground. Used to always round up some of my friends to uh, hop over gates and fences and just play manhunt and different things that, again, kids did. This was way before even, like, video games was a big deal or way before social media and from that phones. era, I understand. Right. So, you know, we're listening to, like music and then there's like the whole you know Biggie and Tupac and then you also even have like I'll stick in like Vanilla Ice and a few of those other like folks because again this was like 80s into 90s um and so again I love playing outside my best friend actually convinced me to go to a basketball tryout for CYO this is at St. Nicholas of Tolentine and funny enough that was my first ever experience of playing basketball and it was with my first ever basketball coach who was a woman um, actually, uh, Reggie Brown's mother, uh, Reggie played at Archbishop Malloy, ended up going on to Richmond, but was a pretty good shooter, um, in New York city. But his mom was my coach and she was super instrumental in me enjoying the game, but also wanting to continue playing the game. So, um, I give a lot of respect to that. And then from there moved on to playing with the gazelles, um, which again, there was only a very small number of girls. AU programs travel programs in new york city at that time um and then from the gazelles transitioned when i got to high school to the gauchos and then from there ended up weighing out options right like many of us young women do when we're being recruited and decided to turn down a number of division one offers because to me winning was really important and so the opportunity to play at nyu under legendary coach janice quinn um was too good of a deal to turn down mm. so I had a great career there um, it was the best years of my life and yeah that that's kind of the playing portion mm.
0: well that's interesting that you said that you turned down division one scholarships in order to play d3 you know some kids don't have the foresight to do such a thing especially when they're seniors I know that sometimes um, I have a lot of uh, in terms of my volleyball team, some of them are just playing that as a secondary sport, and then their you know bread and butter is basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, I can think of one girl i 'm not going to mention her name, but uh, let 's just say that she got recruited to a lot of division one schools they were mid major schools um, and she also got heavily recruited for Division two and division three schools um, and I try to tell her you got to know. What type of person you are, you're going to be homesick because everything sounds great on paper. They
1: all make it sound great, though. Right. Right. Let's be serious. Every single coach that's recruiting you, no matter what division, is going to make it sound great. I think the bigger thing for me was that um, I was able to go to a number of practices, Mm. some really good practices and arguably one of the worst practices they had that season when I was being recruited. And I actually loved every minute of it. And I'm a kind of different kind of a player. Um, definitely back then, I wanted someone to push me. I wanted someone to like get on me, to dog me, to, to pull all everything possible out. And I would in turn bust my ass for them, right? Mm. Can I curse? Yeah. Yeah, Okay, great. So I was going to bust my ass regardless. So Janice was, again, the best person who I thought would be able to take my game to that next level, but she also showed a lot of love, Mm. right? Still to this day. um, And again, a lot of the opportunities I received after college was really instrumental um, from her uh, a lot, a whole lot. Mm. Um, So again, you really got to be careful, who you decide to allow to coach you, right, in college. But you have to ask the right questions to know whether or not you can handle it. Because my coach was super intense. She was like, our, again, she won a national championship in 97, like always making it to the Final Four, Elite Eight on the Division Three level, which is still a pretty big deal, right? 20-plus wins every yeah. single season, Um but I think again, for me, the winning piece was really important um when I'm looking at the other schools that were recruiting me, their records were like it was like five and sixteen or eight and fifteen. It's like those those type of that that just wasn't the type of well, that's um,
0: that's really good opportunity that that in- I wanted. informed your decision because you know one of those five and 18 seasons, you could redshirt your freshman year, then your second year, there might be a turnover in coaching. I'd and be miserable. The shuffle, right? I'd be
1: miserable. I'd be miserable. And that's also a lot of what's happening nowadays, right? With the transferring rate mm-hmm. um, in colleges. And I think a lot of it could be, could be taken care of. Again, people talk about, oh, it's the culture of the kids and oh, it's these coaches that are in their ears. Sometimes before that even gets to, to that point, I think that we as coaches with real college playing experience have to use our experiences as a way to empower our young girls to Mm. understand the questions to ask, not the answers, right? We don't want to fully tell them where they should go, but they should be able to make a adult decision based off of really analyzing those specific right?
0: And that's definitely a balance between experience and uh, having them to have the foresight to figure that out for themselves as well. Because sometimes if you're just kind of telling them verbatim, they are probably less than likely to take that information. However, if they feel like they're self-discovering it for themselves and you can kind of gently guide them to that direction, that's that's really the essence of the best coach that you could possibly have.
1: Yeah, I'm super involved. Um, I'm hands-on involved. Um, My group right now, they're sophomores. I've been with them. Um, Two of them since they were in the fourth grade. Right. And again, many of my girls that have played under me during that time in middle school are now at other programs, but still reach out, Mm. still show a lot of love, their parents and the kids. Um, So, again, I know what I do is very different than many because of the type of support that I give. Um, But I also think, again, we could be as a united front guiding our kids in in better ways to try to alleviate that that uh, that transfer. Rate because it's kind of crazy.
0: So after your playing days uh, came to a conclusion at NYU, um, did you ultimately just end up starting coaching right off the bat?
1: So again, I started coaching while I was taking a break between my sophomore and junior year. I was working at the NYU Medical Center at the time, and so that one year break ended up becoming two years. But I say all that to say that I ended up coaching right then and there. Actually, was introduced to a young girl who was at Millbank at the time. Um, Miss Regina Washington, who's actually now in Arizona, really great barber. Her husband is in the military services. She has two beautiful young men, um, young young boys, sorry. Uh, But I was introduced to her and as a result of being introduced to her, started to understand that there was a lack of women coaches and was trying to figure out how I could find my way to be involved in that outside from just being a mentor. Mm. So I was Regina's mentor, but then I also ended up taking a leap of faith and going to work over at Riverside church. And so being at Riverside church was a fantastic experience. It gave me full autonomy to figure out schedules and budgets, um, and also really recruit from the grassroots level. Um, which was again, a very interesting experience, right? I wasn't stealing players, nor have I stolen a player to date, which I'm really proud about, but we were getting kids and developing those, those young ladies into stronger players that really cared about the game. So, um, so that's kind of how I started. But again, as I continued through, when I graduated from college, I continued coaching at Riverside church and had to take a break a couple years after that, because I was coaching Right. So I ended up getting the first assistant recruiting coordinator position at NYU. And from there was doing that for four years. There was a rule the NCAA had made that no college coach Division one, two or three could coach AAU. Right. So when they made that rule, I had to step away. But then they changed the rule <laughs> and they said Division three coaches could now coach AAU. So that's when I ended up starting back up again at Riverside Church and then decided after, you know, um, two years of doing that, that I needed to go to a program that was actually a little bit more um, on the competitive side and actually really took the women's game seriously mm. in a sense of offering more gym time, offering more resources, equal resources, if anything, that the boys were receiving that um, we deserve to get as well. So I ended up making my way on over here.
0: Mm. And it's it's a beautiful facility. Um, do you think all of those things that you did um, in terms of coaching, playing, and... Um, as well as having uh, all those experiences organizing and and dealing with those budgets, you think that's what informed you to become an athletic director at some point?
1: Um, To a certain extent, it did. Um, I think my next position after coaching from those four years, I ended up working for the vice president at New York University. Those two years of working with him, and shout outs to Dr. Mark Wace, um, those two years of experience of working with him was very interesting because, Aside from him overseeing the athletics department, he also oversaw the LGBTQ office, the multicultural center, student housing, um, the department for like disabilities for students. Like there was so many different layers of the work that he did. And it gave me a chance to kind of see, right, administration work on a very high level, on a very high, on a very high level. So that gave me a better insight into understanding that one, I could definitely manage people, right? I mean, I managed kids already, but I was definitely able to manage people and was able to get that work experience. But two, was also figuring out what my next step was going to be. And so he gave me the opportunity to have that flexibility to do so. And in doing that, I ended up applying for the position at the Harlem Children's Zone. It was to be their first ever athletics director. And so I applied and... Uh,
0: that's Got really the awesome. job. <laughs> so you did mention the word organized, and you also mentioned the word uh, layered, and I think that the the apex of all that, especially when you have been a former player, as well as you have some experience with coaching, is this game that we call officiating.
1: It's very different.
0: <laughs> it is very different. And, and we talk about being a player. Mm-hmm. You know, if if you're a if you're a three guard you have certain responsibilities, right? If you're a point guard, you have certain responsibilities. Oh, no doubt. If you're a coach, you're responsible for your kids. You're not responsible for the other team. You might be responsible for, you know, organizing a strategy to uh, get an upper hand, Mm -hmm. right? But you have certain roles that you have to play. When it's officiating, you have so many roles to play and you don't realize how multifaceted how that gets until you become an official, right? So. Um, What was your perception of officials when you were playing, as well as a coach and as well as an athletic director? And how did you get started and how did you get the bug?
1: So honestly, I had a lot of respect for our officials, even since I was young. So I played in the PSAL from Flushing High School um, and our our team wasn't super good. And this was also before the PSAL even split up divisions. Right. So it was just everyone in one division, all the girls, one division. So. Again, my school, we weren't seen as this like sports powerhouse, right? We had a really good baseball team. We had a really good football team. And that was kind of it. Right. So for the first time, we were able to put our girls basketball program in a a bigger scale of a conversation where they weren't necessarily only just talking about Cardozo or Francis Lewis. Because, again, at that time, those two programs were able to recruit really good players to get Mm -hmm. there to go to those schools. So for us to be in that equation was pretty dope. We also played against some really good competition. Um, And again, from playing in the PSAL and even playing AAU with the Gauchos for me I had a lot of respect for the officials and I think I was the type of player that a lot of the officials actually enjoyed roughing. like and it's weird right because you kind of don't want officials to obviously have favorites or take sides but again when you have an exciting game that's actually pretty nice than yep. having like just sheer blowouts with like no talent Um, so again, I befriended a lot of referees while I was playing in high school, while I was playing in AAU, and while I was playing in college. So I can think of a few like Angie Hallisey. I could definitely think about Cornell Hampton. I could definitely remember Sylvia, um, Leon Barrett, rest in peace. He did a number of my college games. Uh, Bernard as well. Bernard Myers did a number of games. Richie Fowler did a number of games. So again, there's a lot of, um, oh, and Rich, Rich Wright did a number of my games. Tracy Towns did a number of my games. Carrie Donahue did a number of my games. Um, Tracy out of Long Island, I think her father used to be in a, a big time assigner. She did a number of our games. Father Ernie, like I can kind of go on with all of these different refs that who I know made a huge impact um, impact for me as a player because they were really good refs they never had oh my god and heather well how can i forget heather so again there's a lot of folks out there that i remember and they remember me Mm. and i remember getting to a point maybe about four years ago where i kept telling them as i was coaching i'm like listen i'm gonna get my officiating you know certification so y'all better be ready because i'm gonna know my rules (laughs) i don't know rules right now but i'm gonna know them and i'm gonna be a better coach Because of it. Mm. And so interestingly enough, that's how I really got into taking the class. I was supposed to take it like four years ago, pushed it off, um, ended up taking it two years ago. And again, shout outs to Angie and her her class that she offers over at Monsignor McClancy, because it gave me a deeper understanding of the game where I thought I was already pretty good at. Mm. Right. Like X's and O's. I think I'm really good at X's and O's on this level, like the AU, like even high school level. I think I'm a pretty damn good coach when it comes to that. But I also think knowing the rules and how to make the rules work for you, not everybody's willing to learn. Mm. So that's how I started. And interestingly enough, again, it's like I started that and then all of a sudden someone called me to do a job. And from that job, I started doing a few more jobs. Mm. And then from there I ended up getting assigned to, you know, work in the PSAL and, then from there it's like oh well do you have any interest in doing college because you 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 know you you could probably get there pretty soon so it was folks really putting more into me and pouring more into me and so as a result of that it motivated me to want to learn more Mm. so again officiating so new I still feel like it's new because every day I'm learning something else there's always some weird stuff going on and you're like Seriously, like mm-hmm. I read it, but I didn't know that that actually could happen right. in a game like I take for granted on um, that that case book, But there's a lot of interesting plays that happen. And I'm like, wow, I didn't think that that was even possible,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it happened. So it's always a learning experience. I really love that about officiating as well. Like yes. I feel like I'm always learning. It satiates
0: um, that that part of that. You, you know, really have a feel because you've got to constantly think on the fly yeah. and then you have to present it and yeah. explain it to everyone yeah. in You know less than 30 seconds and
1: you have to sell it right Mm -hmm. so part of that is that like confidence part Mm -hmm. of that is also like making sure you're owning your call right it might be the wrong call human error happens Mm -hmm. right it happens but if it ain't a correctable error we going with it Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. so it's it's interesting there's like things that you kind of learn and i feel like again i'm still learning things um so camps have been great i did my first camp this past summer that was exciting Mm -hmm. it was through the mecca um, hopefully next year I'll be doing the Magbo camp and maybe even traveling a little bit more, depending on the season that I have this year, which I anticipate to be a good one.
0: Yeah, and hopefully we do games this year uh, oh, as well, because I'm, right? I'm in PSAL and there all that type of stuff. So um, I wanted to backtrack to your experience with Ange in that class. Okay. That first couple of times, where you like, wow, this is a daunting task with all of these rules that you didn't even know that you were aware of, and, and, you know, just... How you've been playing all this time, right. how you've been coaching all this time, right. and one little rule, you're like, wow, I can't believe how in-depth that it gets.
1: Right, or what? Or how I was teaching the game wrong mm. to my girls, mm. right? Like, I'm out on the court telling them to make sure their foot steps all the way out of bounds on the sidelines, and as soon as you get bumped, that's, oh, that's an foul. automatic foul. Yeah. Why am I teaching them that thing? <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Like, I so serious, serious. I do. Um, so so that's definitely a, a prime example of the benefits of becoming an official. I also think there is, for me at least, I feel that there's a responsibility that I have to many of the girls here in New York City. Because I know there aren't many women coaches to begin with. Um, and so it's interesting because now younger girls are starting to see me as just... An official as a referee, Mm. as opposed to a coach. Right. And so I think, again, my transition out of the game of coaching is has been an interesting one because I've slowly been transitioning out. um, Mm. But I still have, you know, a Saturday program that runs for five to eight year old girls. That's early exposure to basketball. It's completely free program. Um, And I think that that's going to be my continued dedication to giving back. Um, but again, this coaching on this level, it, it's so hard because folks are like, don't leave. You shouldn't coach like, like you shouldn't leave coaching like these girls need you. But again, it's like fair for me. Right. Like mm. I need to be fair to myself yeah. and give myself the opportunity to become a really good official. Because mm. the one thing with officiating is that you have to constantly learn and work to get better. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not something where like, Oh, I can just take this month off and come back. No, you're going to be rusty. Cause it's like mechanics, yes. right? Like sheer mechanics of the body of the reactions. Those things are really important. And again, if I'm going to take this seriously and I don't want to let down my mentors, right. And shout out to again, the supportive, supportive crew of folks who have been pouring in so much to me. Um, it's going to take a little bit more time.
0: Mm. So you think ultimately you're going to dissipate coaching and then you're going to just go all the way with the with the stripes at some point. Oh,
1: I've made that very clear. I've made that very clear to my parents as well. And Mm -hmm. it's and it's and it's challenging because I know how much my heart is into coaching. Mm -hmm. Right. It's been a huge defining piece of who I've become as a as a young adult. Right. Um, But I think, again, there's something there with officiating. I don't quite know what it is. But there's something there that, again, I don't think, like, there's just too many folks that are kind of in my corner rooting for me, for me to not try to pursue.
0: See how far you can go. Yeah, Yeah. I get it. Yeah, Um, I I guess one of the detours that I can think of is, you know, I could never coach basketball Mm -hmm. only because I did it at an early age and I didn't have those same quality experiences as you. I had Mm -hmm. a team that was you know, kind of middle of the pack. Mm-hmm. And that's very tough, especially when you're a younger person trying to break into the business and you feel like you're micromanaging and that's not working and right. then try you, an, another solution right, and that's right, not right, working. Right, right. You know, with officiating, I feel like that emotional aspect and the attachment of kids and their development, you're kind of devoid of that. Obviously, you want them to do better. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're really responsible for yourself. And to me, that's more of a self-developmental thing that's not really, um, you know, conducive to, if a kid performs or not. So right. um, a detour that I can think of is, you know, I coach volleyball, but I can never officiate volleyball. Right. So I uh, got you, you know, having segued that, would you ever consider officiating another sport? That way you're not emotionally attached to a sport, but still satiating another aspect by officiating another sport.
1: I mean, I don't know if my heart would be in it the same way. It'd probably be just about chasing, pay, uh, chasing a paycheck, right? And so that's why, that's when I have to kind of reevaluate what I choose to do. Because mm. um, again, I, I've really busted my ass like over these years as a professional to get to the point of being an athletics director, overseeing 25 sports teams, being able to hire five star coaches to support our kids mm. kindergarten through 12th grade. And I think, again, I've been doing that now for five years. And it's 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 been a dream job, right? Mm-hmm. And so I use that as a way to continue my passion and obviously continue to pay my bills. Mm-hmm. But I love what I do. And I think, again, coaching is something that is completely selfless. And I don't get paid to coach. And I try to explain this to parents all the time. I don't get paid to coach. And I damn sure... I'm not asking for any money from you. The one thing I ask is that you just continue to be committed to the development of your child. Right. If we can do that, I'll bust my ass and do whatever I need to do to make sure that on the court your child is going to be good. Mm. But all those extra hours in the day where, you know, you're allowing them to eat fast food or you're allowing them to just kind of sit around and be on their, like, cell phones or TVs and stuff and they're not working out, now we have a problem. So, again, I think that's really fair. And I think sometimes it involves even a little bit of soul-searching amongst the girls to figure out if they really want this, right? Because if you do, we're going to lead you to the promised land of a full scholarship. Mm. I've been really successful with that. Mm. 100% of my kids. I believe it. 100% of my kids, full scholarships to Division I schools, which is, it's kind of like I'm spoiled because... There's there's this it's not a recipe, but again, it's that power to influence our our girls to want more from themselves. Um, And I want it more for them than even things that I want for myself. Mm. Right. So I think that's the bigger piece is like trying to find a way to give that to them and to pour into them. And to ultimately figure out how basketball can continue to be a part of my life. Um, so officiating is has been that. And in terms of reffing other sports, I would really only see that as a paycheck. Mm. And that kind of sucks. So I think
0: you'd be good at girls lacrosse, just saying. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> Unless we talk about getting kids from the hood and then we getting them yeah, out there and then we getting yeah. them full scholarship stuff. I'm about that. Yeah. But, you know. Wealthy kids up in Westchester or you know <laughs> Long Island or wherever. Like no, I can't we'll t- do it.
0: we'll talk about that. All yeah, here. can't do it. So you know you mentioned a lot of your mentors. List any more that you may have forgotten, and how do you think all of them, in its totality, shaped the way you have helped people after you?
1: So I think again, the officiating world I've learned is is very much so. At least on the girl side, it's super supportive. Super supportive. And I think a lot of that, too, is because we don't have any boards. Right. So it's Mm -hmm. not like we're battling another borough or battling another group of folk like New York City. Girls basketball officiating association is what it is. Right. It's one giant board. So that's the first piece. Um, And then the second piece is knowing that there are women who want to help you to do well But there's also men that want you to do well, too. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like everybody is into helping. Now, I haven't had the experience yet of having like a super seasoned veteran um, get upset. Right. A super seasoned veteran get upset with a mistake I made. It's usually always a teaching point. So I would say like ninety nine point nine percent of the time it's been a teaching point. And so for me, that's important because it just gives me more understanding of, like, how much this is about teaching mm. and giving back and paying things forward. And I've even had, like, officials where, you know, there were too many assigned refs for a game. And they were like, oh, no, don't worry about it. You could just go ahead and take the game. I'll just go home. And I'm like, wow, so we're not arguing about who's who's going to get paid for this game? Like, you're just going to give it? And so, again, I've been really lucky this past year because, again, this past year I pretty much— Started officiating like seriously, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so or even just getting assigned, (laughs) let's be honest. So, um, for the last eight months, for the last eight months, it's been a pretty great experience, Mm. and I've had amazing partners that have all been supportive. Mind you, I'm also really transparent with them, and I think that's important too. Like, I'm not going into spaces all cocky and oh, I'm all this, I'm all that, and
0: no. No, it's, like, it's 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 really not. It's a very humbling game because correct. I remember I came off all crazy in the yep. beginning. And then I started realizing like, yeah, that's not the approach because I got so much to learn. And when they tell you, you know, in due time it, with patience right. and and you just need more reps, it's like you can't really you can quite a veteran can quantify that, yep. but you don't see that especially when you just want it so fast. Right, but right. That's why I always try to uh Really emphasize the the importance. of just enjoying the journey, you yep. know, like yeah, your first A U game should be celebrated, yeah. right? Your no, you first gotta
1: trust that process. You your first
0: middle school game, trust awesome. The pro- check that <laughs> off the list. First JV game, check that off the list. Right? I
1: remember doing some games in the very very beginning, and I would blow the whistle, and my hand wouldn't go anywhere.
0: Yeah, and you're like, wow, I did.
1: And I'm like, oh, that's a foul, Boop. <laughs> you, you you know what I mean? So again, yep. it's like the mechanics of that, and just folks understanding where you are. And being like, nope, we're gonna pour a little bit more into you so you mm-hmm. get better. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important. That's important. So yeah. shout out to all, you know, my former partners, future partners to come. Mm-hmm. Um, I appreciate you guys so much more than you even understand because
0: yeah. that's definitely it one helps. attribute. Um, all of us in its totality from my experience yeah. as well. On the women's side, we are all very supportive. We yeah. all root for each yeah. other and we all, you know, we we take anybody else's success as personal as our own success. Listen,
1: man, when I saw Gerda out there and on the Columbia game, I was like, oh my goodness, girl. Congratulations. <laughs> or I'll see her at like, you know, they have like the, she's part of like that NBA yep, yep, referee yep. program. Mm-hmm. So again, there's a bunch of um, young women especially that are part of this program. And so um, I saw her and then there was also even Lauren who's doing big, big things now. She's in G League. Um, she's doing really well pro games um it's really dope to see that and again my mentors were like why don't you go see a game i didn't think about that so it was like okay let's let's go so it became like this little outing where we would like go Mm -hmm. and we'd watch games and learn things and ask questions Mm -hmm. um but that that has been dope
0: um after everything that you said what do you think are the attributes what do you think it took to get to where you are as an official at this moment in time
1: Well, I think actually opening up the book, right? It can be a little daunting. Yes. Right? Like, there's so many rules and so many chapters. And I think, again, just having the courage to do that really helped me to know that I was actually serious about it. Mm. Because I could have easily put it off and been like, no, I'm not going to take the class. Oh, no, I'm not going to open up the book. So I think that that was big. But I also think outside from that... um, The energy, I'm a very energetic coach. I'm a very energetic person. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a very energetic person. And so I think uh, that energy channeled into running the floor or channeled into um, being able to communicate with the table or even communicate with the girls to a certain extent. Right. I think that that has also given me a really strong, um, I wouldn't even say advantage, but it's almost like. More like buy-in, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, from like the other coaches or even the assigners um, or even the players, right? Because there's a certain level of respect that's also needed right. um, for you to effectively do your job too. Right. So, um, so that that definitely, I mean, obviously, playing helps too.
0: Yeah, and right? I think it's a it's a hidden benefit that all of your experience previously. Um, gives you the ability, especially equity, right? Equity that people know you from certain situations of, you know, they know you as a coach. They've known some some people know that you've played before. Mm -hmm. So that just makes somebody want to, you know, help you support and, and make you win more. And on top of that, you know, especially like with playing. When you see a girl play and you know all the newer moves, right? Because right. your firmware is updated. Oh, yeah, 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 Right? You, oh, yeah. You, you can go, well, I mean, you, you can explain that because right. you, you play, right? right? And that's coming from a different place than somebody that just kind of reads the rule books verb- verbatim. Right. And then all of a sudden coming in there like, no, I, that's like a pure interpretation, black and white. but yep. You are also nuanced in the gray areas of the game, which is just as important.
1: Oh, absolutely. Like those quick little chucks that they're doing while the person is cutting straight down through the middle. Like Mm -hmm. I know that that's a foul. He's chucking the cutter. But that's something I was taught when I was in college. Right. Right. So it's something I automatically look for because I know that nine times out of ten, if the girls beat, she's probably going to chuck her one time. Mm -hmm. So, again, that's interestingly enough when we talk about PCA. And three-person, right, that secondary whistle, um, it's been helpful, even though, again, three-person is still like a
0: whole
1: it, like, oh, another topic. You know what oh, I hate about three-person?
0: I remember when, when, when I was at the point where you are, and you feel good, and you had a good showing in your first year, and you're like, wow, I can, I can really ref. Then you get into three-person, you're yeah. like, wow, I didn't even really ref a real game yet. Yeah,
1: it's like, nah, I suck. <laughs> I suck. I got to get
0: better. And then you see other people and they know it and you're like, man, I'm really playing myself. But hey, yeah. it, again, experience and, and time.
1: It's definitely um, a different type of challenge.
0: Would you ever consider um, also getting certified on the men's side?
1: <sighs> so I literally was just at a camp the other week. Um, Kaz Beverly actually hosted it out in Jersey. And he had a couple of heavy hitters. um, They're evaluating. And I think it was more so geared kind of like to the men's side. Mm -hmm. But I still went because it was like, no, an opportunity for me to work on three person. Why not? So I ended up going out there and, you know, the feedback from them was I need to join IABO and I need to join a board. And again, joining a board is kind of like figuring out if you're going to join (laughs) Devro. You, are you going to join Deaf Row or are you joining, you know, Diddy out in like the East Coast? With, what was that? It wasn't Def Jam. I forget the bad name. Bad Boy. His bad Boy. Yeah. So I'm either joining Deaf Row or I'm joining Bad Boy. And so it's interesting because I don't know if I'm ready to make that decision yet. Because, again, opportunities on the men's side, a lot of that comes through your board. So I have to kind of be patient.
0: I can walk you through to that. uh, Oh, yeah, thanks. So we'll we'll talk about that off here. Yeah. Um, Other question, final question that I wanted to ask you. What do you think it's going to take to get to where you want to go? And ultimately, where do you want to go?
1: Honestly, I don't know where I want to go. Like, I feel like I'm always changing my mind Mm -hmm. about this thing. But I do feel like committing myself to officiating this year um, is a really big step in the right direction. Mm. Um, I think I need to prove to my mentors that I, not that even I'm ready, because I still feel like no matter how seasoned you are, you're still not like ready, ready. Because there's always something.
0: You're never going to be ready. There's and I, and always I'll tell something. you this, right? My first varsity game, I was like, man, I'm not ready. Yeah. And then, you know, then in turn, I get federations and then I did good. Right, But. Right. I didn't feel like I was ready, and right. I feel like that just will right. continue to happen. Junior right. college, your first game, right. not going to be ready. Right. First Division three game, not going to be ready. Right. Division two game, you're not going to be ready. Right, and it just keeps going because even right. if you're in Division one, there's right. levels, right? Then, then there's now I got to make yeah. the NCAA tournament now, and I got to make the right. top thirty two now. I got to make the elite A now. I got to make the final. So I
1: think those butterflies though are very, for me at least, it's it shows that one. If I'm nervous about something, it actually means something Mm -hmm. to me. And two, it gives me a higher sense of urgency to prepare. So preparing for games, preparing for situations, I think it's something that has benefited me, not just in officiating. Mm. But I also think that on a higher level, when we're talking about officiating and where I see myself in my career, like... Hell yeah, I see myself being able to get out there onto a college floor. What college floor? What level? I have no clue. Mm. But I know that if I'm going to make the effort and put in the work and really bust my ass this year and make a lot of sacrifices while I'm doing such, I would only imagine the opportunities that can come from it. Mm-hmm. So I'm kind of enjoying the ride. You know what I mean? Like I'm pretty grounded with my full-time job and with coaching and um I'm just really looking forward to seeing what this officiating opportunity, opportunities Mm -hmm. um, come about.
0: Yeah, and I think that sky's the limit just by the sheer fact that I know that you're open to opportunities, which is a great trait to have. You know, some people, you know, even from me being from Long Island, they think I'm an alien because they're like, why would you drive to Harlem when you could just do a game here? I'm like, because the competition is 500 million times better. Yeah. So... For every one game you do in Long Island, that equals seventy games for me. So when I come back, I feel like I'm the Black Panther doing games. Right? right? And like, Man, you got real good. Like it's not a secret. Just right. just cross the a bridge.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: just yeah. use the easy pass. Yeah. I did have two more questions. Sure. What is the most stickiest situation that you ever had as a player, as a coach, and as an official in this moment in time?
1: As a player, coach, and official. So I think as a player, it was definitely. There were a number of things, but I think as a player, anytime I was given a defensive assignment, it was 100 percent of the time to defend the best player of the Mm. opposing team. And so I do remember at one point having a tag team partner, Adrian Ricchetti, shout out to uh, my little flea. um, She and I both were defending this one girl who was like averaging a ridiculous number. I think she's like 30 points a game. Played at Washu. Washu and St. Louis, they were, like, runners-up or at least Division Three, you know, champions. They, they, they win quite a bit. But NYU, for whatever reason, we always beat them. So I think the biggest challenge I had was making sure that we shut her down. Um, and as a result, she actually threw up in the second half of that game. And that was dope because <laughs> it showed... <laughs> I'm just saying. It, it showed that we we fucking killed that assignment. Mm. But I also think again, um, it was challenging because there were like the assignments were crazy. Like we had to go through footsteps footsteps on down screens. We had to always go over every single ball screen because if we didn't go over, you know, her three point range was crazy. So again, we had to like always like shift our hips, go over the screens, go freaking footsteps through any sort of down screen. Um, no switches at all. So I think again, that was that was that was challenging and that was quite often mm-hmm. that was quite often i think um as a coach definitely you know when you start talking about the defensive assignments that i had as a player when you start having to do scouts as a coach becomes a little different um because you also have to think about the players that you have mm-hmm. right and what they can do um so you know we we basically put together this defense that made things look open but it wasn't open um and again it's actually something that we took from janice because she had something called like the buddy system um and we specifically use it against university of rochester every time we played them because they always did high low option and so a lot of times we just completely backed off and showed the buddy on the post who was really really good um so i think again for myself as a coach it was tough to be able to do those type of scouts and assignments especially Mm. you know whether you had a super, super skilled group of players that year, or maybe they weren't so skilled, but they were gritty, um, kind of always having to change that, it was tricky. Um, That transitioned very well, though, with AAU, because I was able to teach that. We were super successful, made it to two championships at Rose Classic, one for um, our junior division, one for our senior division, so that was kind of dope. But I think outside from that, um, as a player, as a coach... And I as an official, I would say, you know, it's a tough crowd sometimes.
0: <laughs>
1: it's a tough crowd sometimes. So definitely one of, ex- I mean, one of my first officiating experiences out at South Shore, it was Nazareth JV versus Tottenville JV. And it was the Battle of the Burroughs, all the Staten Island teams against all the Brooklyn teams. That game got really crazy, really fast. Incidental contact, incidental contact happened. Girl ended up colliding, busted her lip. Father's angry. He's ready to fight someone in the stands. We end up having to get school safety. We end up having to call the police because now he's making threats on my partner. Mm. And it got it got too real, right? And again, I don't know what what was the. I don't know if it was just the game that drove some of that animosity, right? But I do know that safety and game management. For me, became a number one priority after that game, and it was one of my first games I ever had. Mm. Um, and again, shout out to, to to H for being my partner because he's Horatio. I don't know, you know him, tall mm-hmm. dude. Yeah. Um, shout out to H for being my partner and really holding it down for me during that time. But it definitely helped me to understand how game management is very critical, especially on the girls' game, mm-hmm. especially on the girls' side because girls they'll start doing the craziest things. On the court. Yeah. Whereas guys, it's like they might handle it like behind the scenes in the locker room after the game. Right. The girls, it's like, oh, something bad happened. They are tripping. They are clawing. They are bumping, chucking, pushing. Like interesting things happen on the girls' side um, that don't necessarily show up as much on the boys. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, that's, that, that was a very interesting tale.
0: From that sounds super crazy. No,
1: that was crazy. The and bot- Jean Sparrow was there.
0: Oh man And
1: let me tell you something. I mean not, not Sparrow, Spora, sorry. Gene Spora was there. And Gene and Angie was there too. The dude cursed her up and down too. The dude cur- I'm like, oh my god. Gene and Angie? Gene and Angie, the dude cursed them up and down. I said, we gotta call the police. That's not good. Because this is a problem now. Yeah. You know what I mean? And nothing it wasn't like it wasn't on purpose. Mm. You know what I mean? She just collided. She couldn't stop. Yeah. And collided into her.
0: (sighs) One of my pet peeves in basketball is when, like, somebody's going to get hurt. Like, they're playing. They're playing. It's
1: contact. Somebody can
0: die if they cross the street at any given point. That has nothing to do with me. I don't know. My final, final question uh, that I want to ask you Mm -hmm. is what is your best moment in playing? What's your best moment in coaching? And what is your best moment in officiating thus far?
1: And playing? Oh, um, I would probably say a number of years ago, in playing a number of years ago, um, it was going—well, not even going, but knowing um, that we were two points in overtime for making it to the Final Four. Wow. Yeah, it it was amazing. Um, We ended up losing to Emmanuel. This is my freshman year. Lost to Emmanuel College um, in overtime, and that was— you know.
0: Yeah, the fact that you got
1: that different. far is... Yeah, 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 it was different. It's crazy. It what about different. coaching? Um, coaching, huh, coaching, probably actually coaching a All-American, right? Like having the opportunity to coach young lady by the name of Jessica McEntee, she played at Malloy, um, was one of the best players that we ever had, and she was a stud. And so that was a big pleasure. And then actually recruiting... And seeing my first ever recruit become an All-American. So shout out to Miss uh, Megan Dahl for for believing in me. Mm. (laughs) And choosing to come to NYU and just killing it during the four years that she was there. Mm -hmm. And then as an official, I would say just the opportunity to actually referee at my old high school. Seeing my name up in the rafters was kind of nostalgic. But Mm. being in that gym space and seeing my old coach... um, Miss Carla Nasso. So shout out to her. Um, It was pretty crazy. I had to pinch myself a few times because I haven't been in that gym in a really long time. Um, So being able to actually officiate at Flushing High School on their senior night was very... It it was so cool. And a lot of chills. And, I mean, they ended up winning by a lot. Yeah. Like a lot, a lot. But it was was pretty incredible.
0: That's got to be really surreal. Super surreal. That feeling. It's... Probably in the moment you don't cherish it as much because you're just like kind of, right. it Feels eerie. You're like, right. wow, that's my name and right. that's my coach and right. Yeah.
1: Practice like, I is this just- happening. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, but um, no, it was dope. It
0: was awesome. Yo, know, this has been awesome. Um, I'm really, really happy that we uh, we touch base and and I really enjoyed your interwoven story of all those things that you really went through. And I'm really rooting for you as an official and hopefully we I we do some
1: appreciate that. We do some
0: college games uh, in I, oh, the future. We will see. We're gonna see. P S A L games at least this year. God willing. We'll figure it out. God willing. I'm any, gonna have
1: to reach out to Cornell and Chris.
0: Any final words you wanna say before we part ways?
1: Um, I just wanna thank you, dude, for, for figuring out how to continue to grow our game. And that's like my own little plug because Let my nonprofit grow our game. But for finding opportunities for these spaces with referees, I don't think that we have enough of them. Mm -hmm. Um, So for you to be committed to doing this and being relentless for doing this, I really appreciate you, man. And I'm pretty sure all the other referees that are listening and the folk that are in the officiating world appreciate you, too.
0: This is awesome.
1: Thanks, Ralph. The homie. Peace, brother.
0: For Sinead Joy Jones, this is Ralph the Ref. This is The Ramp. We're signing out. Peace.